How many of you remember that opening song? The show, Lost in Space. That was high-tech stuff, let me tell you. <laughs> Just like the original Star Trek series. We actually had an opportunity. We went, man, we drove a long ways. I don't know why they didn't have it closer to town or whatever, but, you know, the capital could have gone there. But they went to some far po farm poke town, and they had the original set from the series, the TV series, the original series, with William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, and so forth. And we got to see the props and everything and how they did it. Amazing how Hollywood can create an illusion like they do. That falls in line with a lot with, you know, this AI stuff and holograms and so forth, Project Bluebeam. You know, this is not new technology. This has been around for a long time. Long, long time. And they're way past anything, as I've said before, they're way past anything that, you know, we they're telling us or we're seeing now. They're way beyond that. So anyways, welcome to the show. It's Let's Talk. So the, hang on. The big thing was the robot, you know, because I'm calling this show Professor or Confessor. And that doesn't have anything to do with Lost in Space. Lost in Space has to do with our first story. So, by the way, today is Friday, and I'm doing, this will be posted on Monday. And the reason I'm doing it today is because I got a pretty busy weekend coming up, and I, you know, I mean... In my mind and on my calendar, or, you know, inside my head, my schedule or whatever, there seems to be an ample amount of time at some point in time to do the show, both on Saturday and Sunday, and then post it on Monday. But truth be told, that's never how things work out. Best laid plans of mice and men, as it was written by I don't know who. Anyway, seems like something Hemingway would have said, but I'm probably wrong. So moving along, the name of the show... Professor or Confessor? We'll get to that part of it. And we're going to get to the AI part of it in the Lost in Space opening there, right after we say our prayer and our first scripture. Father God, there is no telling of all the things that you have done. And everywhere your eyes have seen, all the places, and all the things your ears have heard, and we are grateful, Lord, that even though you are so mighty and wonderful, that your eyes looked upon us, that your heart felt for us, your compassion was for us, your grace and mercy given to us, undeservedly so, your love, your love through your Son, Jesus Christ, I can't even imagine, Lord, what that was like to watch your only son suffer in such a way. So I pray, Father God, at this time, help our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and let our tongue confess and our heart be glad. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. That sound familiar to you? I bet it does. That's the Christmas time scripture. You know. So that's out of Luke 2. Moving along. The 
AI story. This is really big stuff. I got to tell you. You know, I say it's big stuff, but I can't emphasize enough how important this is. This, well, let me read the story to you. So a custom-built AI, or a custom-built AI, they're saying this is unprecedented um, testing ground. And it's in the Ukraine. The story says the Ukraine has developed and implemented its own artificial intelligence platforms under the most stringent conditions to create something beyond what Western militaries have considered possible. By that statement right there, we learn that the Ukraine has not only developed, but they've implemented it and they use it and they have it. They have the advanced, more advanced and integrated AI platforms, okay? And we, the Western allies, we don't have it. That's, that's, that's crazy. So why wasn't there money for research for that instead of anything and everything else? Yeah, it's one of the $64,000 questions, right? So it goes on to say that the Ukrainians... Uh, according to Brett, Brett Velikovich, okay, Brett Velikovich, a Fox News contributor, according to him, the Ukrainians are, are the Ukrainians are doing a ton of stuff. They're doing a lot. Now he's the contributor embedded in the Ukraine. Um, he's a Fox News contributor. I'm sorry, embedded in the Ukraine. And that's what he told Fox News Digital. He went on to say, I mean, this innovation on the battlefield is out of this world right now. And honestly, the U.S. government, Western governments, have no idea the innovation that's taking place. They can't keep up with it, he added. Ukrainians, Ukrainians are moving too fast. So, hang on a second. If you ever, <clears throat> water, <laughs> if you ever ask yourself, how does a podunk little country like Ukraine hold off the likes of, you know, the bear, Russia? So listen to this. AI has quietly played a significant role in how Ukraine has managed to perform so well against a larger and seemingly stronger opponent in Russia. Apparently, with the AI, um, there's, um, I don't think Russia stands a chance if they really bring it to play. Now, AI platform, a little definition here, refers to a hardware architecture or software framework, including application frameworks. Now, for those of you who don't know, hardware is the computer, it's the hard drive, not the, you know, okay, it's, it's the nuts and bolts and stuff like that, all right? The software are programs. Maybe you know or don't know about that. They're kind of, in, in a way, they're non-tangible, although, you know, you can buy the program sometimes in the store and it's quote-unquote tangible, you're holding it in your hand, 
But nine times out of ten, they're developing developing it right on the computer. So anyways, so this software framework, architecture software framework, it, it enables software to address key issues in artificial intelligence, such as reasoning, planning, learning, natural language processing, perception, and object manipulation. Need I say more, to be honest with you, that tells you that at the current, at the current time, at least the country Ukraine has the ability to, well, subjugate the entire world. Because the way this AI would work, there's no way we could defend against it. It's like always 10,000 steps ahead of us. And it's already taken into account by reasoning and planning and learning what our strategies are and how to defeat them. This is really mind-blowing stuff. This is huge. This is like the stuff you see in those science fiction movies where a society is always under the gun, they're always being watched, they're always being yacked at through some kind of you know, software, hardware, computer type thing or something, whatever it might be. This is the real deal. This is not a science fiction movie. This is the real deal. All right? This is how a man is going to come along and he's going to subjugate eventually. It won't be at first. It'll be like, you know, he's the answer, you know, all, all the way around, so to speak. Right? And all the kings of the world are going to give their authority, their crowns to him. This is in the book of Revelations. It's the beast. It's the Antichrist, the son of perdition. So with that being all said, this technology plays right into that scenario without even begging the question. I mean, it is plain to see by this outfit. This outfit. <laughs> Sorry. Take three, two, one, nine. Here we go. With this article and the observations of the technology spoken about, it's a no-brainer. This is what will, will enslave us completely. Like I said the other day, the digital currency, when that happens, and it will happen, you're not going to have a choice. It's just, you know, how it's going to be, Right? When that digital currency comes, they completely own your finances. Everything. Everything. I heard years ago that your driver's license was going to be turned into more of a, uh, an ID, a verification of who you are and where you're from, and maybe even where you're supposed to be. But it will also contain a whole lot more about you, including your health so say, like, in my case, I'm diabetic. I should not be eating normal ice cream. I should be buying that yakky taste and stuff that's got no sugar or anything in it. But so I go to the grocery, I go to the grocery store, and I, I load up on some ice cream and cookies and whatnot, right? Amongst other things. The wife won't let me eat all junk food, but anyways. So we get up to the register, and when she swipes my credit card, well, which would actually be part of your license or ID thing too. She sees that I'm, it, you know, it denied payment on certain things, rejected or something. 
And that would be, you know, the ice cream and the cookies and stuff. Because my health information is on there. It's just there's a myriad, myriad of possibilities. And some of them, man, I'm telling you, it makes perfect sense. I mean, if you just looked at it from the logical standpoint and not what's the implications as far as Bible prophecy and whatnot goes, it makes all the sense in the world. And I'm not going to deny that. That's part of what the problem's going to be when this is implemented or they bring about these changes. It's going to be directed and promoted and professed and, and everything else in such a positive manner that the people are just going to go, oh, heck yeah, why not? Let's do it that way. Then we don't have these problems. And the issue is that there's going to be a lot of problems. So, you know, this will solve a multitude of problems. Just makes perfect sense. But in the long run, <laughs> it's not a good idea. So the National Defense Magazine itself, listen to what they said. They've actually called the Ukraine war an unprecedented testing ground. Not just a testing testing, sorry, ground for AI, but an unprecedented one. Now the, here's the thing. Computer vision which focuses on the interpretation and analysis of visual data through an AI platform. This part of the whole scheme of things, computer vision it's called or referred to, has shown great benefits to a wide range of industries and tasks. So, this program, computer vision, focuses on the interpretation and, again, an analysis of visual data. Well, I think this begs the question. <laughs> if you're not already, like, on the next page, because you know what's coming, I think this begs the question. If what they're saying is true about AI, and what we know is true, regardless of what they show us, This took, and specifically about this computer vision. If that technology is real, and I have no doubt about it, everybody's talking about it. It's not like this story and anything, any part of it and so forth is from like some kind of far-fetched website. No, this is mainstream. Fox News had their guy embedded, okay, where's his name now? Brett Milakovich, it says, is a Fox News contributor embedded in Ukraine. So I don't know if he works for Fox News like they're his employer or he sells them stuff. Anyways, regardless of it, the actual, um, the National Defense Magazine commented on it. So you see, it's real, folks. It's not, this is not, you know, James Bond, Star Trek, whatever, whatever, whatever. This is real. And if it is, and it is, true about this computer vision technology, then it, it, it appears to me, and, you, you know, I'm just one person, but it appears to me, knowing what I know, and I think you know quite a lot now, that given what we know about being snooped on and, in this now ongoing to be used to watch us and then allow an AI program to analyze us. 
That's exactly what they're going to do. Over there in, in the UK, in England, man, they got cameras. I think the only place they don't have them is in people's bathrooms. I kid you not. They are, I think it's one, like their country is one of the top five of the most observing technology, you know, intruding on their rights, their civil rights to have privacy. And interesting also is this not only plays into the biblical prophecy side of things, but if you ever read George Orwell's 1984, this will sound very familiar to you. What George Orwell was describing as far as the uh, being monitored and all that sort of stuff, it was AI technology. George Orwell, he... Believe it or not, well, it's not unbelievable. He had an, uh, a belief system much along the lines of Bill Gates, George Soros, things like that. He was, I don't know how to describe it. I'm sorry, to go any further than that. But he was an eccentric. He was eccentric. And he also was very savvy to the computer thing. Now, he lived at a time when TV first came out to the scene. And not long after that happened, Orwell was able to start putting pieces of a puzzle together. And he wrote the book 1984. I assume, well, let's put it this way. It's going to happen, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. You just got to be ready for it. All right? So that's that. Now listen to this. Talked about UFOs many times, talked about the most recent so-called whistleblower and what he said, which really wasn't big news, at, you know, at all. And what this congressman says isn't really big news either or anything new, except for there are a few minor additions, I'll, I'll say, in what he has to say that really sets this apart. So the congressman is... um. Oh, what the heck's his name? I can't remember. Maybe I wrote it in my notes here. Anyways, he's on the Intelligence Committee, and he says, he says, based on what he has seen and heard, so these guys watch videos sometime, and other times I think they actually go on a good old-fashioned field trip to go to a certain location. This is the first time ever I think that any government, even though other governments have more or less disclosed what they had fully, like England did, uh, Nick Pope was responsible for a lot of that. But anyways, uh, um, I think this is the first time that they're really revealing a few things and bringing some subject matter to the front that hasn't been done before. And... This guy's a congressman, and he's on the Intelligence Committee. He has some clout, or maybe a lot of clout, I don't know. But he says aliens, check this out, have the technology to turn humans into charcoal briquettes. Interesting analogy, right? I mean, interesting. So after that... He goes on and, and says that the government, our government, and governments around the world have been covering up UFO existence since, get this, 
1890. Now, everybody harkens back to 1947 and the Roswell event and so forth and so on, which wasn't an alien thing. But they made it that way so that it played into future deceptions. So, back to what I'm saying. 1890. So, <clears throat> well before Orville and Wilbur took a flight and... It, apparently, a UFO crashed in Texas. And I read a copy of the newspaper article about that event. And it was so funny because they're talking about Mr. Smith's garden got destroyed and the brand new water tower we had just built got destroyed and Mrs. Jones's flower garden got, you know, and I'm going, you're serious, right? But, hey, you know, nowadays we'd say, you know, in this building or that building was destroyed and so forth and so on. But it's really ironic, since 1890. And also, I'll just add this here at this point in time before I move on, the Vatican's involved, deeply, deeply involved with this, huge involvement. Um, the CIA, other elements of our government, and not just the quote-unquote black ops operations that goes on and so forth. The CIA is pretty much responsible for them. But anyways, there's, there's elements of power, individuals with unimaginable power, not magic power. Well, I don't know, maybe they do. But anyways, you know, to be able to influence governments and to take what the Aliens have to say, aliens, fallen angels, to the, the rest of the group. And they make decisions based on what they hear. But these guys know for a fact that this is not the beginning. This is like, <laughs> been there, done that, moving on. So the congressman said that. Charcoal briquettes, okay? What an analogy. And he revealed that he has seen compelling evidence of UFOs. He said, there is no greater technology ever known by man. Apparently, I'm just going to put a little something in here. Apparently, I assume, by this last part using the term charcoal briquettes, the congressman has either seen it you know, or he's only kind of told how it works. In hypothetical situations that could be deemed real, or he's seen an actual human, hopefully a cadaver, which was used to show him this technology, whatever the case may be. The statements appear to, like I said earlier, to piggyback on those made by the U.S. Pentagon whistleblower, and he claimed this month that the U.S. has run a top-secret UFO retrieval program for decades, and some of the non-human intelligence discovered are malevolent and have even killed humans. Now, I mentioned in a recent show one of the theories or the ideas that are out there is that there is uh, 
a mean, evil race of aliens. And then there's, you know, a compassionate, loving, and kind group. And, of course, the loving, compassionate, and kind group looks more like we do with some differences. And the other ones, the aliens, quote-unquote, the little green guys, they're actually the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. You read about them in Genesis 6 and Enoch 1. And they're also in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, with that being said, they're going to use what they have to deceive us into participating in what some people believe is going to be a war. The nice guys are going to come to us and ask for our help against the bad guys. And there's going to be other circumstances involved. So, to be honest with you, it's not going to be that far-fetched that these guys show up when they do. I don't think it will be. I think things will be like this. For instance, this whole thing with this congressman and what he's talking about. Like I said, this is... This is really, you know, the biggest release of anything really ever, I think. In interviews and classified briefings on Capitol Hill, Grush has said that, you know, us, the U.S., and other nations are not only engaged in, you know, retrieving the equipment and not telling anybody, but the reason they're doing it is because they're in the most top secret, I kind of hard to use that word because there's got to be a more descriptive word, but top secret 80, 80 plus year arms race. The information he's received, well, let me go here first. It's reverse technology. That's what it's all about. Sometimes they tell how to work it and what it does, and so forth and so on. But most of the time, they frustrate, the, you know, those that deal with this sort of thing, they frustrate them by allowing them the equipment or whatever it is, but they don't tell them anything about how it works. And then the other side of the coin is just in a crash, and there's no survivors, and, you know, they got that. But it's interesting that this is like, I don't know, like, again, science fiction movies, you know, aliens have been working with members of the human race for decades, if not centuries, to establish the one world government at the end of the age, which is what we're going into now. Isn't it interesting that God held off their claims? They were allowed progress every so often, you know, so forth and so on. But it's on God's timetable. His will, not theirs. They can't do anything without the will of God being behind it. Okay? So no matter what they tell you, they're only kind of, they're acting on their own, but, you know, God controls it. If it got to a point, kind of like with our drill instructors, you had what's called junior drill instructors, and you had a senior drill instructor. So the senior drill instructor used to be a junior drill instructor, but he he uh, performed and held himself in, in such a great manner and so forth, and he passed the test. He was uh, given the title senior drill instructor. Now, the junior drill instructors, so they would 
from time to time. Where was I going with this? I'm sorry. That's getting, it's getting bad, isn't it? Let me take a drink of water. Maybe that'll help like yesterday. <clears throat> 80 year arms race. Oh, so I don't remember the drill instructor thing, but just let me say this. The way this works, folks, in case you haven't heard me tell you this before, so I'm not going to get into it real deep. You want deep? Email me. I'll give you my email address now. Let's talk Mike one at gmail.com. Let's talk M I K E, the number one at gmail.com. And I will answer your email. Don't worry about that. It'll, it'll be answered within a day or so. So, that being said, the people that believe in this utopian society, and there's been, they've been since just about the creation of the world. But once things like got organized and so forth, so probably the, and I don't think before the 1400s, but either way, the organization is, is actually, you know, the mob, five families, you know, and they each operate in their own autonomy, but they have to answer to the council. In a certain way, it's like that. You have all these different societies, secret societies and groups and subgroups and so forth and so on, and you even have churches, mainline Christian, quote-unquote, churches involved with promoting this utopian vision. The Pope just announced the, the one-world religion. So it's happening. But a lot of the people years ago and years and years ago and even today they don't know how far it'll go in their lifetime but it doesn't deter them from promoting it and trying to get as much done as they can you see so he claims that this information is not only being withheld from congress which we know but it's illegal to do that isn't that, I, you know what, that was kind of interesting when I read that. That's that little part that I'm saying is like, hey, wait a minute here, you know? So it's illegally withheld from Congress as the military, the intelligence community, and their private contractors have raced to take advantage of the technology quietly. Key here, private contractors, okay? Intelligence community. What in a Sam Hill, other than spying on people and all that kind of nasty, what in the Sam Hill would the intelligence community do with this technology? Okay, especially the vision thing. And then you have private contractors. These are the likes of somebody, just because you everybody knows them. Well, you have IBM and, and Hewlett Packard and so forth. You have Microsoft and you have Bill Gates. So you not only have, like with Hewlett-Packard and the rest of them, you don't really see the CEO. I don't even know who the daggone CEO is, is for any of them. I know Steve Jobs was over there at Apple, but he's dead now, I think, right? And then uh, you got, uh, what the heck is his name? Bill Gates at Microsoft. Bill Gates actively participates not only as a private contractor to the government 
and the, I'm sure the intelligence community and so forth. But as a person, he's very into that utopian vision. Go figure. So, you know, this is this is moving very quickly. And what I was told a number of years ago, the pace of it all, of course, is under God's direction. But the aliens actually dictate. So mankind is so subjugated already, even those who think they're all powerful and great because of their position in the world, even they are clueless. The aliens run the show. In my opinion, this is, I'm going to end on this note, just based on what you were told, this last couple stories here. In my opinion, because they're talking about this information being, you know, held back from the Congress and so forth and so on, and they're spending buku money on these operations of sorts and buku money hiding it. So in my opinion, there shouldn't be any more funding. Let's just, let's just face the facts and turn loose the reports. Let them go. Do a data dump. You know, every Tuesday, data dump. At the same time, Microsoft rolls out their updates. Do data dumps. Quit with the redacted reports that look like very similar to Swiss cheese. And it's got everything pretty much whited out or blacked out. It's a useless piece of paper. And here's the thing. And this is key also. And just give us all the information and let the American public decide. There's the key. There's the click. Why can't we decide? Well, there's no reason why we can't. We're smart enough to make decisions. No disrespect, but even the lowest level on the IQ can make a decision. All right? So give us the information. What are you afraid of? That we're going to find out you're not really in charge? That we're really going to find out that you're just a peon like the rest of us and you're bowing down to the likes of Baal and Moloch and every other demon from hell? That you worship Satan as your almighty God? Yeah, if I was you, I'd be afraid we'd find that out. <laughs> Too late. Too late. The problem is, or the question there is, after I just make that statement, why don't we vote these bastards out? Bunch of witless, redacted spermola. They're just donors. They don't even care about their families or those that they... No, no. Because if they did, they wouldn't let this happen. They wouldn't let AI technology take over. They wouldn't let abortions happen. They wouldn't let the alphabet soup crowd run our lives and try to scare us with their signs and their screaming and yelling. Let me tell you something. I spent five and a half months in boot camp. You want to hear screaming and yelling? 
I could do a drill instructor that would knock you to your knees and you'd be in tears instantaneously. See, don't let them scare you. It's only a tactic. That's all it is. That's all it is. Moving along. As the left, <laughs> left. Oh, sorry. As the left topples statues, renames institutions, mocks patriotic symbols and, and rituals, and they're literally rewriting history. The American identity, because of that, is being subject to a, a very similar phenomenon. The left wants to sever Americans from their history and their founding fathers. So they're not only destroying the statues to take away the visual, but they're rewriting the story. And in doing that, they're sucking Americans into the same line of thinking. Isn't that something? You see, when you ask the Lord to show you things, <laughs> it's, it's the kind of stuff that comes out. Notwithstanding, their effectiveness in remedying those flaws, the, the, the foundation of our once largely self-governing, thriving country Bye-bye. Okay, we'll see you now. Which is really sad. Not just because we live here and we're suffering through it. But this country and its form of government and everything that we've meant to the world, the food we've given, the money we've given, all these things, never has there been a, a, a country like that, ever. You know, the left is essentially seeking to replace the founders with its own woke socialist icons. They'll have names for them eventually. They're just waiting to complete the, their ascension to power. Blah, blah. Now they want to be your new founding fathers. Imagine that. Imagine looking at Chuck Schumer with the same respect and honor that you would look at George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or Thomas Jefferson, so forth and so on. Not going to happen. No. Look at Nancy Flaw and think... Uh, Nancy Flaw. <laughs> okay, take two. All right, hang on. Nancy Pelosi. What do you guys think? Betsy Ross? Or who was that woman that did the... She kind of... She's technically uh, spoken of as the woman that started the Red Cross. Did she, she was Clara. Oh, anyway, first name's Clara. I remember that. Maybe Barton. Could be Clara Barton. But she was, you know, she's um, given the honor of being called. She started the, the Red Cross. I don't see Nancy Pelosi there. I don't see these people in any position whatsoever that would even be near what our founding fathers were. And really, to be honest with you, I don't see a lot of people in this country that would be like the people were then. 
you know, in character and mind and so forth and so on. Our whole life has changed. You see, <laughs> the farther we get away from the creation, even though we still are the image of God, the image is not as pure and clean. All right? Just as, as we got further down through history, by some means, whether it be a, a chemical, a, a, a vaccine, a, a virus, there, there's unending names of possibilities, but they've actually depleted the usefulness of mankind overall. Men are not what they used to be. I freaked out about that, I think, on my last show. Men are not men anymore. They're little wussies. They're like wannabe girlies, you know? And a lot of them go that route, go down and get their gear shut off and taken out and whatever. What, what in the Sam Hill is up with that? I'd rather be fat and ugly like I am and know, well, at least I'm in the, in the, in the image of God than have to question that. Thank you, Father God, for making me so sure of who I am and what I am. So through the centuries, you know, the worthiness, of course, is never there to begin with because we're sinners, but the worthiness or the definition of man has changed. Mankind in general changed. You see, the founding fathers, they reassured the citizenry which is somewhat like they do now, but they're all laying out a line of cow dung. But they reassured the citizenry as the Declaration of Independent States, so this is on paper, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Do you realize what that says? Do you understand the magnitude behind that statement right there. This is mind-blowing. Powers from the consent of the governed. That's us. Every one of us. Democrat, Republican, Independent. We are the governed. So where in the hoo-ha do we in all the world and beyond, do they think they have the authority and the right to do what they do and, and just be so steeped in, like, the muck and mire of illegal, the word illegal, big neon sign flashing. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah. Yet in that carefully considered well-intentioned commitment, there were the seeds of our decline. We were warned numerous times in the early days of our, our, our country that this form of government, this way of doing things, is teetering already. It's not meant to last. Unless you fight to keep it, it's just going to, by its own nature, go away. You see, demagogues would stretch the definition of rights to absurdity. Are you serious? Like the alphabet soup route. And then what happens is what? One person's right becomes another's bondage. 
and greatly exaggerated dangers requiring more protection and more power. It's a bunch of bull cocky lies, blah, 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 bleep, bleep, bleep. This is the kind of thing where, you know, the joke is, you know, I say the sky is blue and you go, no, man, that's as green as green gets, or, you know, but they take that and go with it and believe it or not, all of a sudden, everybody except me is going, the sky is green. <laughs> Moving along, folks. One more thing before we move along. Spoke about the AI earlier, but listen to this. A panel of AI-enabled humanoid robots. It's so funny saying those words because eons ago, or not eons ago, well, I guess so, yeah, whatever. That was like the, you were talking about something from a movie or a TV show, a humanoid robot, like the robot on Lost in Space, right? This is what it's all about. So this humanoid, this a panel of them, so they're sitting around the table like humans, right? AI-enabled humanoid robots. They told the United Nations Summit on Friday that they could eventually run the world better than humans. Do, 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 do. Dun, 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 boom, boom. That's a little thing from Jeopardy. But I did that to give pause to <laughs> trying to soak in what you just heard. But these social rob, 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 robbers, there you go, thank you, take two. Social robots said they felt humans should proceed with caution when embracing the rapidly developing potential of artificial intelligence. You see, this is some, somewhat of a warning that this artificial intelligence could get away. In other words, you design it to be so smart, so everything, like in the, in the movie, right, what, the 2001 Space Odyssey? Right along them lines. Now, they admit they can't get a proper grip on human emotions, so I guess, well, okay. But some of the most advanced types of these robots, they were at a two-day uh, good global summit in Geneva. They got more summit names than they got. Carter's got liver pills. So the biggest thing is, I think, is you know, the lie and the deception and so forth and our ability to know it when we see it and even speak out against it. But if nothing else, recognize it, know it, pray, you know, so forth and so on. Let's do Matthew 5, 3 through 12. Matthew 5 is the Beatitudes, but I chose three of them out of the, out of the, the bunch. Starting with verse 10. Blessed are they which are pure... Okay. Let me drink some water here. <clears throat> the water... It gets so hot where I live, the water actually comes out of the faucet warm. I don't use cold water... I don't use hot water at all during the summer. 
Don't need it. So anyway, sorry, okay. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. In heaven, yeah. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. That is a wicked, awesome scripture, right? Or set of scriptures, all right? We're blessed because we're persecuted. For the sake of our Lord and for heaven and for God our Father, we get the kingdom of heaven because of our suffering. For righteousness' sake. And when people revile us and persecute you and, you know, yak in your face about whatever. Another example of be exceedingly glad. Not just glad. Be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward. So we know we're going to heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And now he tells us great is your reward. And we always, always, always have the prophets to fall back on. I really take comfort in that. I do. I do. So who's got your six? Do you know what that means? I learned it when I was in the Marine Corps. What it means is I got your back. I got you covered. But I say this. Who's got your six? And now I ask the question. Or should it be? Or do you really know who your friends and family are? Listen to this scripture from Luke 21, verses 16 through 19. This is Jesus speaking again. And ye shall be betrayed by both... both okay, hang on. Darn. And you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair of your head perish, and your patience possess you, your souls. That, you should go back in the show or pause it now and, and go back to it right away and get that written down. At least the the... Book, the chapter, and the verse. Luke 21, verse 16 through 19. Jesus tells us plainly. He was asked at one time in his ministry, and he says, I brought a sword. I come here with a sword, not with peace. I come to bring a sword, not peace. The word of God is like a two-edged sword. No matter which way it swings, it's cutting you. And usually those big old medieval two-edged swords, unless you had some good armor on, they could literally take some limbs and almost cut you right in half. And he's saying, the Lord God of all things, that our parents are going to betray us, or could. Our brothers and sisters could. Our kinfolk, you know, aunts and uncles, grandmas, grandpas, and our friends. 
So you see, this walk we're on, this journey that we, we voluntarily undertook, and for some of us, we're like at the pinnacle of, you know, involvement in so many ways and different things, not talking about, you know, your caca churchgoers. Yeah, there's another one I'm coming up with for that. Anyways, you know, we have to remember that the division between the sheep and the goat, between people of the world and people of God, that, that, that dividing line, that big valley gulch kind of thing, that separates them is going to become and is becoming larger and larger. And so that's the analogy. These are the people that got so scared of the authorities when Christ was on earth, they denied Christ because they feared those who were as it said, in charge of them, their leaders and so forth, mainly the religious ones. We have to remember that God did not create a religion ever, 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 ever. And I don't care what religion you belong to, if that's what they're telling you about who they are, no siree, no siree, thank you very much, out the door I go. Nope. So, with that being said, we have to be prepared for some pretty tough times. We have to be ready to not only defend the faith, but withstand betrayal by possibly our parents, our grandparents, you know, things like that, our brothers and sisters, the public at large. You know, once this dividing line becomes more and more sure, we're going to become more and more exposed You see, when the whole world is participating in an event and we don't, they're going to wonder why. Kind of like in the book of Daniel. Everybody was supposed to go at a certain time to bow down and worship a statue of the king. And Daniel and his cohort said, not going to happen, Gavin. And they, they stayed behind in their home, wherever they were living there. This was in Iraq or Babylon. And so that's how we get the story of the lion's den, one instance, and in the fiery furnace, another instance, of times when great believers, great men and women of faith, stood against the world. And even though they faced a fiery furnace and, you know, a ravenous lion, to them, the righteousness of the kingdom and standing for the kingdom was way more important. Right now, as far as I'm concerned, there's no excuse for your condition. I mean, you know, probably a little leverage there, but I really don't believe there's an excuse. Other than you just don't give a hoot. You just don't, you know, even consider it. You just think that you got things all under control. It says in the scripture... You know, they'll be buying and selling and marrying and having a hoo-ha of a good time. The Son of Man's going to come. Sudden destruction. It says sudden destruction. That would be the same word in the original Hebrew when it describes what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sudden. 
out of nowheres, on it totally unexpected, and total and thorough in its destruction. For Sodom and Gomorrah, they were destroyed to the point where they were so, like, <laughs> blown into the desert or whatever. If, uh, uh, what do you call them? Archaeologists have only recently discovered it. So when he says sudden destruction, I'm glad I'm not on that boat. This is what we got to remember. There's more hope for the man outside the church. Listen now. G. Campbell Morgan said this. G. Can okay. G. Campbell Morgan was a British evangelist. He was a preacher and a leading Bible teacher and prolific author. He was a contemporary of Rodney Gypsy Smith, and he actually preached his first sermon when he was 13. Anyway, G. Campbell Morgan said, there is more hope for the man outside the church in all his coldness than for the man within the church who is near enough its warmth to appreciate it and far enough from its burning heat to be useless to God and man. There is a greater chance for the non-believer who has not heard the gospel than the man who has become an evangelized non-believer. Isn't that wicked strong? Boy, you don't have anybody writing like that anymore. Come on, Grace. Cat's got to go out, everybody. Go on, good girl. There you go. So, <clears throat> it's interesting to note this man way back then wrote this, and I've, <laughs> I've expounded on that sort of thing a million times on my show, right? If you listen. <clears throat> a bunch of phony balonies in the churches. Why would you want to be a part of that? You like being a phony baloney? You like being somebody who belittles yourself and denies yourself real wisdom, truth, understanding, and knowledge and all that? You want to hang out with a bunch of people who are, get this now, only there because they have to be? I think, you know, hot or cold in the book of Revelations, right? Jesus talks about the, the church, the seven churches beginning in chapter 3 of Revelations. The one that's cold, he says what he says about it, but he says, but at least I can warm you up. And the one that's hot, well, he doesn't have to do anything for them. They still have a few issues they need, they need to deal with, according to him, but they're on the right track. And then you have the lukewarms. There's a completely, totally... Unexpected reaction. I don't think, you know, you would expect the Lord to do this. He spit them out of his mouth like lukewarm water. Lukewarm people are the ones that claim to belong to God, but they live as though God didn't exist, like the entertainers today and so forth and so on. I mean, give me a break. And then just the general public. But they wear a crucifix, and they might even quote you some scripture and tell you they go to church every Sunday. In the words of another person, 
this is what they become. They become inoculated with a mild form of Christianity so as to be rendered immune to the real thing. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? So you're either hot, passionate, and fervent in spirit, or you're cold, dead to the things of the spirit and sensitive, or lukewarm. You're comfortable, complacent, but you're unaware of your need. These churches, in Revelation 3, they depict all those conditions, like I said. So what's the solution to lukewarmness? It's got to be one of the greatest blasphemies there is, being lukewarm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you, you, you know God. Not really like to know him, but you know, you know. That's the worst. The scripture tells us in verse 19, it exhorts us to be zealous and repent. Two things. Be zealous and repent. Be zealous in your pursuit of repenting. You got to repent first. You can't just pick up from where you left off. Because here's the thing. You got a lot of sin there that you got to take care of. That you didn't think was sin while you were living a lukewarm life. And that happens. That's why lukewarm is so daggone dangerous. Because God has special punishments for people or and or lack of rewards in heaven because of that, you know, issue of, well, I didn't really think it was sin, I guess, I don't know, whatever. But it's not going to be a pretty picture for those who are cold. So be zealous and repent. Zealous means be hot or, in, or get on fire. Lukewarmness, in my opinion, everybody, and I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, is a sin. You got to repent from it. You're only a shallow Christian. You have to ask yourself, you got to ask yourself, am I a professor or am I a, or am I a possessor? professor is somebody, of course, who says this, that, and the other thing about, you know, who and what they are and whatever. A possessor is not only a confessor, but they have the goods to prove it. Like people you hear brag about this and that and the other thing, a car they got or this and that. Where's the car? Mm-hmm. Bragging about being a Christian and going to church and blah, blah, blah. Where, what, what's your lifestyle? You're over here hanging out, smoking pot in the corner, drinking on the weekends like you shouldn't be. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. You're disobedient to your parents. You don't respect authority. You covet the neighbors and what they have. You have hate in your heart and you won't get rid of it. You think revengeful and vengeful. Vengeful. These are sins, folks. These are attitudes that happen and come, whether you want them to or not, when you live lukewarm. You, you can't do it. Oh, nay, nay. Not going to happen, Captain. Are you a professor or are you a possessor? 
there's a big difference. All right, everybody, I'm going to let you go. That's it for today. Hey, I hope you have a good weekend. Like I said, mine is going to be busy, so I finally I decided to do the show today on Friday. If it doesn't get posted Monday, two things happened or could have happened. I got raptured. Well, I guess another thing, I just dropped dead, or they nuked us. So with that being said, God bless, sports fans. We'll talk to you again later. Goodbye.